On today's show, do the Cleveland Cavaliers have to trade Jared Allen this summer to get better? We're going to talk about that and the case for and against an Allen trade on a new episode of Lockdown Cavs for Thursday, May 20th. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. want to thank you again for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Chris Manning. I'm covering the Cavs and the NBA for outlets like SB Nation, Cleveland Magazine, and the Just Basketball Show. That man over there is Evan Damerel. He's the founder of independent site, Right Dan Euclid, which covers the entire Cleveland sports scene. As always, we have Jake Stevens producing. He is not with us on this call. All right, segment one. We're going to talk about what went wrong for Jared Allen in the playoffs and what I think led to the topic, one of the more common topics in the Cavs online discussion, which is should the Cavs trade Jared Allen? Um, shout out to to the guys at the Sports Show. They did something about this the other day, and uh, love you, McNuggets. But that sh- your fake trades were were bad. They were really bad, real bad, my guy. Just like hit me and Evan on the side, and we'll we'll give you better fake trades if you really want Say, them. Mikey, yeah, I will. We we'll 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 do business together. Do do not worry. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can do better than that. All right. Segment yeah. two: the case for in trading Jared Allen. And segment two. Segment three, excuse me, should they actually trade Jared Allen? We'll talk about that. But Evan, I want to, there's two quotes. Well, let's start somewhere else first. Okay. I can't think of ever seeing Jared Allen just kind of out-muscled like that, right? Like, I have seen times where he, he is a little more slender, like he struggles against like the behemoths. But, I, you know, there are games this year when they played the Nets, for instance, where Nick Claxton really, I thought, was stronger than Allen inside and was more physical than Allen inside. But mm-hmm. you see him get just kind of whipped by Mitchell Robinson. That felt new. It did feel new. It also, to your point, I think Jared Allen does struggle with bigger uh, guys. And I think this has just been a knock against him since he came into the NBA is sometimes if you rough him up or hit him with a little bit of physicality, he shrinks and doesn't want to deal with it. He doesn't want to handle it. And I think it's a bit of that front runner mentality that the Cavs kind of have where like, they're very comfortable, like imposing their will, shouting, screaming in your face, dunking all over you, blocking shots, et cetera, so on and so forth. But when somebody gives you a taste of your own medicine, Allen is one of those guys who just kind of shies away from it a little bit. So it's a little surprising just from the optics of, and I, I don't understand it because I'm not seven foot clearly, but like you should be able to handle somebody who's equal to you in terms of size and maybe not weight, but at least you're equ- you're equivalent in other ways. And maybe there's ways you can savvy and change the matchup just because Mitchell Robinson was the better center in this series. But I think 10 times out of 10, people would say um, they'd rather have Jared Allen right now just because of just where they stand as a player, maybe. But 
that's neither here nor there. I, I was somewhat surprised. I think it was a combination of not just Mitchell Robinson. I think Isaiah Hartenstein really took Jared Allen to task. I think um, Julius Randle did a lot of things to frustrate them. Heck, even Josh Hart, who just has like a knack for finding offensive rebounds, just like really made a concerted effort along with just Mitchell Robinson being the focal point of just out hustling and out physically Allen. And then Allen shrank away from it because the physicality is just something he doesn't really like to handle uh, on the defensive side of the ball, especially if you just keep hitting him repeatedly with it. What I think is where it starts is there. And I, and I think there's also this part where I think schematically it, it pairs well with what the Cavs did that, created some of these issues right like I think he's coming up a little bit to contain guards and he's helping and then Robinson is already just behind him um Allen had this quote that he said quote I I think it's it's played a bit of a part having me over in the paint ready for the drive to happen I think it kind of put Mitchell Robinson in a better offense rebounding position it's always tough giving somebody like that a little bit better position and having to make up ground on them so I think it played a little bit of a part, but I think physicality is what it came down to at the end of the day. And I, and I think that read from Allen himself is correct. I, I think schematically, like what they were trying to do pulled him out of spots and made it harder. But he also just was getting out, like outworked. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can be that simple that you just got outworked. And it's interesting when you said like, oh, what is their weight? At basketball, like public weight data is sus at best like this is it's never entirely clear like it's hard to uh find things of substance uh just at times we 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 don't see the actual scale but like basketball reference has allen to 243 robinson to 240 and i you look at them and robinson looks bigger i'm six foot 165 like i was in high school uh okay that was weird but Robinson like looks a little bit bigger and he plays a little bit bigger. And if there's a thing with Allen that I think even at his best when he is trying to block every shot and is being that kind mm. of guy, there is still just like a a bump and a grind with him that is not always totally there. And I think like this the the pair of hey, this scheme thing is having him do this and Mitchell Robinson slipping it behind and the physicality part of it. I think with more, the physicality playing a big part, I think those go hand in hand of how you end up with Jared Allen being largely just kind of blah in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's that to an extent. Um, but not all of it falls on Allen. I know he's the focal point of this episode, but I do think it is It is Evan Mobley. It is the guards just kind of getting outworked too. Um I think it's interesting, and I was looking at the numbers as you were talking, and I was listening to you, but, like, schematically, they're not identical, but the Bucks were a team under Mike Budenholzer that played a lot of drop, and they also had their bigs sometimes come up and help, too, when they needed to. And the Cavs obviously employed a similar strategy, too, but the Bucks just handled that physicality and were one of the top rebounding teams, and it's just like I raised my eyebrows because Cleveland was one of the worst rebounding teams in the league uh, during the regular season. In the postseason, like the numbers are a little skewed just because we don't have a big enough sample size for the Cavs, of course. But I, it's just it's fascinating to me because there's a lot of different layers to it, of course. It's not just as simple as big man is tall, go up and grab rebound, like things like that. Like it's not like that simple, like linear A to B path. Like there's a lot of different points along the way. But I, I think it was a mentality thing. And I think New York 
um, imposed their will uh, on Cleveland quite a bit. And Jared Allen admitted when they came back from New York, he's like, and this is days after somebody else in the team said that they weren't rattled, they weren't being deterred, nothing was really phasing them. And Allen's like, yeah, we were a little rattled by it. And I wonder if that was just him kind of confessing to the media, like, I'm a little in over my head right now. I mean, I, I think he looked over in his head in this series. I've never seen Jared Allen have a, a run like that. I, I think that's what part of me this weird. The other, the other thing that I, the other quote I want to point out is from Kobe Altman in his end of season media availability. Quote, we asked Jared to do a lot. We asked him to hold down the fort defensively. He has to help and then get back and try to box out an elite offensive rebounder. He said, let, he said he let down the team. I don't think that's the case. He'll be better for it. He was a big part of us holding the Knicks in the 90s and points scored, which is an end there. He's a large part of our defense. That is all true. I think like that defense of Allen is the right defense from like an optic standpoint. If you are arguing, okay, don't pull this up, run it back. Like, all of that is true. What also is just true is like he wasn't good enough in this spot. And I've, I just come away from that series of more than anything else, just being like, do, do I, how does Allen, like, I, I'm asking this of everyone. I, I think Mitchell, I think Garl, like everyone were saying, okay, how do you respond to this? How do you evolve from this? Allen's pretty, I'm very curious to see like if there's a different edge. Cause he's not a guy that has like a, a real like physical edge. He will try to block shots and do all that, but he's not like the most naturally kind of like real, real grimy kind of physical kind of guy. He doesn't have that Tristan Thompson kind of edge to him where Thompson just grinded opponents and out-hustled and out-physicality well, people, like, just to grab those, like, second-chance opportunities or just limit yeah, rebounding like, and stuff like it's that. It's like, like Steven Adams. It's like, yeah, watch how Steven, Steven Adams, Adams is screens good, like, versus how, yeah. like, Allen screens. It's different. It's just different. Correct. And I agree with Altman. Like, it wasn't just solely Allen's fault, even though I'm sure he right. was the one being crucified for everything. It was a collective effort. I think everyone was disappointing in this postseason debut for this team, and there's a lot more questions than answers just because we have such a small sample size, but it is curious to see how this change is going forward. Cause sure. Why not? You were one of the top defensive teams in the first round of the playoffs. You held the Knicks to mostly either slightly above hundred points, but mostly below 100 points. And if that was your strategy and you're hoping like, Hey, Donovan or Darius wake up and just bail us out on offense. Like that is not a solid strategy to have playoff time because that's just what you did in the regular season there were no really like that's a coaching aspect too but like to your point about Allen like I don't know what switch can flip because he doesn't seem like he has like that edge or disposition to him to kind of like grind it out or maybe just be a little bit more physical like a Mitch Robinson or even a Steven Adams um that's that's a great example like Steven Adams is he's a grinder he's a he's a tough dude he's a he's a tough bloke if you will but um is a bloke in New Zealand like that I know. Yeah, I feel like that's. Do. Is that on the? Okay. I don't know. We should ask Sean Coleman, who Stephen Adams is a huge fan of his act. Is very thick Southern draw, but that's neither here nor there. I just I am curious to see like what Allen does because I don't think he has the disposition to be like that grimy, grinded out physical dude when he's just much more comfortable kind of being him. And I, I don't know. It, like if he tries it, like how long can he last being inauthentic to himself? Because it it's hard to. It's easy to regress back to what you're comfortable with, especially if it's not working. Yeah, and he's not like I think he has strength, but he's not like a he's not like the strongest seven footer. Like Mitch Robinson is stronger than him. Like other seven footers have a little more bulk to them. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is the right fit. 
It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. And after all, it is easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Every day, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about the types of small forwards that would best fit the Cavs. And by that, we don't mean, hey, you know what would be great? Getting Jason Tatum or getting Prime LeBron James or getting Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard or whomever. We're going to be pragmatic about it because that is Realistic. the way. All right, Evan, five minutes on the clock. Let's talk about the case for trading him. Okay. Here, this, is where, this is just where it starts. The be- he is the best trade ship the Cavs have. That's it. Yeah, uh, start and finish, he's their best trade ship for them. And if you... <laughs> really want to make a move to shake things up or as you'd mentioned like not even like jason tatum but like if jalen brown is somehow obtainable in a parlay three-way and a team gets um jared allen through this trade just in like a three-way or multi-team deal like that that's what you have to do like you have to crack these eggs to make an omelet and we talked about this kind of when we were doing the initial like autopsy review of what went wrong in the postseason this season as a whole like the Cavs may have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable and making these tough decisions of these dudes who helped bring you there, but may not be the guys who take you over the edge. The other part of this is $20 million is for a player who's a one-time former all-star who I think is above that line of centers who are average centers who are being squeezed financially right now. This is a good player who finishes well. Block shot is at a good age. Mm-hmm. He's the closest thing to a, te- a guy they have in their core that is un- probably untouchable that they could deal t- that another team would really want. $20 million is also a good salary for salary matching purposes. I think in a vacuum, they would rather trade Jetty Osman or Dean Wade or Ricky Rubio or whatever. But salaries, guys too. Right, but you have to stack those guys up. And like even then, you're like not even at $20 million. Like If you are, it's very close. $20 million is just like an easier number to go out there and say, mm-hmm. hey, like I like that guy. I like that guy. Are you interested? You maybe have a need at center. The other part of that is I do... This is just the... I, I don't think they're going to shake it up, is I think where we end up here. But I this if you wanted to do it, this is just to me the, the move. Unless you want to go real bold and say Donovan was like do something with Mitchell or whatever, and they're not going to do that this summer, I don't think. Uh-uh. Allen is the one lever you can pull this summer t- to really adjust things. Yeah, and to your Donovan Mitchell point, if he just makes it clear all of a sudden, like I know people are recklessly speculating on the fact that uh, a guy is a fan of a team his dad worked for that was ha- his entire life pretty much um, and was rooting when they beat the Guardians the other day or the fact that he was golfing with some folks in the Knicks organization as well with his agent. Like, sure, whatever. Be weirdos about it. But if like he doesn't want to commit to the Cavs long term, or if he just isn't in love with the idea of being in Cleveland long term, sure, that that's a lever you can pull. But to your point, the Allen one is a little more realistic, and maybe it's a conversation again that you have next offseason, especially if you either get similar results or 
And I think back to our conversation with Martin Rickman a very, very long time ago. Like if Evan Mobley doesn't develop as a shooter, if he looked just more comfortable as the five, like the Cavs have some decent data with when Allen was out with that eye injury, that Evan Mobley is super effective at the five and they put spacing next to him. And he kind of really thrived in that role. And the Cavs had a really like there's a dip defensively without Allen out there, but there's a huge, not a huge bump, but a pretty decent bump offensively with Mobley playing the five. But if Mobley doesn't develop as a shooter and he's better suited at the five, like you're a little redundant here in a modern NBA. And that's where you can really say like, okay, we have a guy at that point, it's a two year, 40 million deal, 20 million a year flat. Um, Like that's a very tradable chip. It's a tradable chip now too, but I I just wonder, because there's always that uh, fallacy on just like, how can you maximize your assets? Like you can't be too cautious or you can't be too overzealous of things because like a better trade could materialize down the line. Like, it's a fascinating thing to watch, but just, folks, he's not going to get traded because Kobe Altman made it pretty crystal clear um, from the top that there's going to be no dramatic changes or shakeups uh, just in terms of the roster rotation, and that would make you assume, naturally, that it's it's let's, Garland. Let's put, let's segment three. Let's put, a, let's put a pin in where we're going right now. Here's the reason you don't do it. I don't think Evan Mobley is ready to be a full-time five. Mm-mm. And B, Allen is really key to the team's defensive scheme and identity. I, I'd, you could attempt to do it and say, Emily for Mason Plumlee, make a treat, you get a, a cheaper center back, whatever. Okay, you could attempt to approximate a percentage of what Jared Allen is and do something similar, and then tweak your scheme based on the, some of the differences in the personnel. That yeah. is, I, I, unless Evan Moby comes back next year and is just like ready to be a five and like all that stuff, this feels like very hard to do unless you have a, a, a center plan to slide someone in who's like 80% as good as Jared Allen at a lower price because you get the wing you want via trading on. That, that is like a very certain set of circumstances that I think would have to present themselves. And I think that makes trading him harder if you're Cleveland because you need a very specific thing. You do. And the specific thing at the center spot, especially if Mobley either isn't ready to play well, center. It's a, it's a specific or, thing at the wing that you would, that oh, you the need. Wing. Yeah, yeah, the wing, of course, but, like, you think about just how, like, the NBA functions and people copy one another, like, it's unrealistic, but if, like, Jared Allen somehow, some way, like, because he practices three-pointers all the time, like, somehow had, like, a Brook Lopez, like, three-pointing turn, shooting turnaround, like, that's the ideal fit next to Evan Mobley in terms of five, who is able to provide you that defensive upside, but also isn't a liability and can provide you spacing to allow maybe your non-shooting four to really function and thrive just with all the things he's good at. But like you said, it's a wing upgrade that you're targeting if you're trading Jared Allen. Um, but I, I think the Cavs will explore other avenues before they maybe consider pulling that lever. All right, after this, we're going to talk about should they actually do it. All right, so, Evan, here, here's what I... This is where I come down. I don't think they should. I don't think this is the year you necessarily do it. And I think it's because I think about the hypothetical deals you could do. And I'm not exactly moved by them. Let's do a hypothetical D here as like an exercise, okay? Okay. So our uh, Lockdown Mavs host, NBA channel coordinator Nick Angstad, Texas about like Tim Hardaway Jr. I know you were doing this in the, in the mock jerk stuff as well. Like this was like, and there's been like fan blogs I've seen about this when you go with Jared Allen. I had a whole 
like four team yeah, deal you, set you, up. You, you, you had that trade. You had an NBA two K deal. I did, and it almost came to fruition. I almost, I almost got Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay, so th- this is and the, this so is many the tra- other players yeah, and a tra- good wing. Tim Hardaway Jr. and like the tenth pick is the crux of what Dallas offers you. Hardaway is fine. Okay, does he move the needle for you at the wing? The answer is no. Okay, so then you're saying okay, we get the tenth pick. That's good value. We get a young player in the wing. Is quick, quick what? question. Does Tim what? Hardaway Jr. move the needle more than what options are available in agency currently? Because I think he slightly does, just because he can crater your offense, but he's also not afraid to take pointers. Like he's like the foil of Karis Levert. Yeah, I I have a hard time seeing I. I think the answer is maybe yes, but it's maybe just because you can control the fact that you're getting him, and you that's can't fair. control the fact that you're gonna you like you can't control who you're yeah, gonna get. Yeah, that's I, fair. I, I also just like don't know if he is like, I, I don't know what that guy looks like as he gets a little bit older in the playoffs. That's tricky. So, okay, it's so the tenth pick. Let's even say you get Taylor Hendricks or Grady Dick. We're good prospects. Mm-hmm. History tells you that like even if those guys are good prospects. Are they helping you now? And I think, Evan, with the Cavs, even if they are, quote-unquote, running it back somewhat and they're preaching patience and culture and all these things, there is pressure to win right now and prove yourself to Donovan Mitchell. And, like, would J.B. Bickerstaff and the organization be in a position to give a rookie like like Dick or Hendricks or whomever else they would like, let's say they pick a wing at 10 and they do this trade in, in this alternate reality, possible future, whatever. Are they in the position to give a rookie the runway to play through the ups and downs and adjust and become a contributor right away? I don't know if that is there. I, I would have some some skepticism that like that would happen for them in the way they would need it to. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, and it's just tricky because the, the biggest thing for me is you need to prove to Donovan Mitchell that you're committed to building a winner because it was clear after the season ended um in five games against the Knicks like he said at the podium he's like I'm sick and tired of having this conversation I'm sick and tired of losing in the first and second round he's like I want to go further I want to win a championship but you can tell the fire and the desire is there but there's also only so much Donovan Mitchell can do uh to carry a team at times and he also didn't show up for the Cavs that's that's a different conversation in of itself but committing to taking a step back defensively i'd say a pretty sizable step back defensively trade jared allen to add more offensive firepower is very tricky and then you're also placing a lot of let's just assume the Cavs draft this rookie in this hypothetical and then they keep him like they don't move down the draft board or they don't try to trade out of the draft entirely just to get more veteran wing help at the end of the day um placing your hopes on a rookie being part of this offensive firepower additions you're trying to add at the sacrifice of defense could either result in a more suitable winning situation for the Cavs and Donovan Mitchell, or it could result in chaos because JB Bickerstaff's more equipped to coach up a defense than maybe he is an offense. And Cleveland doesn't really have an offensive tactician on their coaching staff to kind of fit, make the pieces work. I just I just can't find a trade, Evan. This is maybe like the biggest. Maybe something is out there that we're not seeing. And maybe like someone does poke free and that changes the trajectory of what we're talking about. Here. Yeah. 
I just think with what centers are and with what you really need to get back for Cleveland, I just can't like find something that I get like excited about. No, I can't either. I think part of the issue is centers um, that don't shoot have a certain limitation in value. And teams either have their center position locked up or they're very comfortable just filtering through cheaper, more cost-controlled options. I just... I, 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 again, maybe... Maybe there is something staring you in the face in a couple months that comes there. But I, I... Tell me if this is fair or not. Do you feel like I would phrase this. I feel like this is a lever that could get pulled a year from now. It would make way more sense. Yeah. And by making more sense for me, it's just, okay, Evan Mobley had a year three leap, but he's not just, he's not like a reliable object. Like he doesn't stretch the floor on a consistent basis. And he's like, again, we talk about like, he may not be ready to play the five, but as time goes on, like, oh, the Cavs are finding more success running, like, smaller lineups with Evan Mobley being the featured option at the five. Um, that's a conversation then. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's odd the Cavs are being so, like, cautious. I understand maybe running it back and trusting the process a little bit. But banking on your internal development to really, like, build this into an even bigger winner and prove to Donovan Mitchell that this is worth sticking around as you enter your prime like that's a not a dangerous game to play but like it's a it's a tightrope walk for sure um but i think yeah like it's a conversation maybe put a pin in and who knows uh cleveland could be looking for a new coach and maybe like looking to make dramatic moves next offseason or everything just works out and they get out of the first round and they put up a fight in the second and maybe try to sneak into the eastern finals like a lot of things could change between now and then but like just like I said, there are way more questions than there are answers because we have such a small sample size of how this team performed in the postseason, and what we do have doesn't give you a ton of optimism going forward. Yeah, like I, I think I think like there's pressure this year, and there's dissatisfaction mm-hmm. from this year. If this ends next year in the same way, you're looking oh. at bigger changes. I think oh, yeah. number one, but like this, this would be the. The Allen trade would just like be like staring you in the face. Like it's just like that's that's your shakeup. And look, and, honestly, uh, also just as a reminder, Kobe Altman could have just like been like, we're gonna run it back as like a positing. Things change. People in those positions don't always exactly tell you the truth because there's no incentive it, for them yeah. to be like, I'm trading Jared Allen right now. That that is just a small caveat I would I would put on any of this. Yeah, like yeah, Kobe Altman could have been saving face in the moment. He's just like, we're not gonna make any dramatic changes, and I. Through write down Euclid mostly, I've actually gotten several emails from readers now saying like, well, there's a bunch of coaches on the market. Why aren't the Cavs making a move? And I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, that's just my answer. I know it's not satisfactory for people to hear, but it's just like the, the Cavs, I think, are content with figuring out what they have internally still and kind of doing the long con evaluation. They're also an organization that doesn't really overreact to things or make like dramatic like sweeping changes when they don't need to and maybe the allen case like you said it could be staring them in the face but maybe it's uh like they're driving down a long stretch of highway and like it's like a rest stop that's like a couple 
a, quite a few miles away. Like you can faintly see it in the distance, but like maybe you stop and you make that change there. Or you just keep driving and keep working with what you have because maybe things kind of figure themselves out next year. Fascinating times ahead. Jared Allen is certainly, I think, going to have some scrutiny on him next year. All right, we're going to get every day. We'll be back tomorrow chatting about what actually would be the right kind of small forward the Cavs need. Wait. What? Would you? Can we share the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show trade? No, I, my, Mikey McNuggets, I love you. You're doing, you went on the bet, you you went on the, you went on the bet, the, the bet check thing and defended it today. Like that trade just sucks. It sucks. That doesn't do, we, that trade should, that, that, that trade should be like printed on a piece of paper. I want a big bonfire just to burn that one piece of paper with that trade on it. So it's just gone. And we should like Elon Musk scrub the tweets. Get him like that trade is horrendous, horrendous. Mikey, you don't need a fascist to uh, scrub your tweets or delete the trade, but yeah, it's a bad I, trade. I would just say like you had a bad day, and then I would probably blame it on like Jay Crawford or something. If I'm being honest, I blame it on either way. I, I, I see. I, see I blame it's Friday. I, yeah, I blame it on someone. All right, thanks again for making Lockdown Cash your first listen every day. Every day is again back tomorrow. Talking about the type of small four that would best fit the Cavs. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for his work on the production. <laughs>